0: Welcome back to the Husky Fan Podcast, wrapping up a 52-20 to 20 victory over the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, which that was almost exactly the score that I predicted, right Jimmy?
1: Basically, I think you said what, 50-20? Uh, was that your prediction?
0: 49-21.
1: 49-21, excuse me. I think he said he'd like it like a fifty to nine win or something to that effect. I mean, I went with the spread. I think he said forty to twenty, the line or whatnot. Uh, You know, both pretty accurate. All in all. So, how do you feel? How are you feeling about the game? How are you feeling
0: about things?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Chess. First off, I must say I didn't care for the fans booing the fight rainbows when they came into the stadium. They actually had a really cool. Entrance. They had all that green smoke, and they had one of the cheerleaders on a surfboard, and they're holding up. I actually thought that was pretty awesome. So I was actually fairly disappointed uh, that the crowd was booing their entrance. I mean, for the most part, like just boo Oregon, USC, and Washington State. I mean, really, <laughs> everyone else. I, you know, Oregon State. Sure, you can boo them, but it's Oregon State. And, you know, you need an opponent to play to, to enjoy the game. So I, I think the fight and Rainbow should be off the booing list, especially because their, their entrance is so cool. That's, that's my biggest takeaway of the game. Oh, and that, you know, easton has got a big arm, and people are too hard on Ahmed, and, you know, there's work to do on the outside of the ball with the, the receivers. So I put that on the coaches.
0: Now let's get into that more. So what exactly do you put on the coaches?
1: Well, you know, they recruited the players. They're paid the millions of dollars. Uh, They're there to prepare them and coach them up uh, to play on Saturdays. And if people are upset with the product that's on the field, you only have the coaches to look to. Okay, if the kids' efforts aren't there, that's another problem. That's an internal issue. Back to the coach. You know, Hugh Millen Millen uh, got uh, ripped by some fans for calling uh, Fuller spaghetti arms before the game and essentially telling people that he has inside knowledge, that he's a lazy football player and that he hadn't put in the commitment and the work to, to be really good at his craft. Hey, that's back to the coaches. You recruited the wrong guy. You got him in here. He wasn't committed to the process. Then you see uh, where he gets exploited by better talent. And, Granted, Hawaii wasn't very good, and the offense wasn't able to execute against Cal the week prior. They came out on fire, that uh, you know they had something to prove. But again, it's it's lower tier talent.
0: Yeah, and when you have an NFL quarterback with that kind of an arm,
1: he's going to tear it up. Yeah, I mean the, the Aaron Fuller throw over the middle. Uh, I, I've heard a couple people actually talk about that. Uh, you know, Yogi went on it, uh, went on about it in the broadcast a fair bit in regards to like not even Russell Wilson could make that throw. Um, the way he had the ball on a rope, um, in regards to the trajectory of it and the velocity of that throw, will <laughs> will have the NFL scouts, you know, telling him to come out early.
0: At this point, I mean, not knowing what's going to happen the rest of the season, uh, I think the, the way that everybody has been recruiting Savelle Smalls on Twitter, uh, we need to start doing that with uh, Jacob Beeson and Hunter Bryant as well.
1: Well, I think Hunter Bryant's gone regardless. I, I, I think there's no saving Hunter for next year. We, we know that he's had some history of injury he is NFL-ready right now. He can play in the NFL. He he is physically prepared to do so. Uh, I, I think it's highly, highly unlikely that he will return for next season. Why would he, Chess? Why would he?
0: Well, to try and win a national championship.
1: Well, it, does that matter these days? Does that really matter to these guys that want to get to the league, and especially in the me, me, me culture? I don't know. There are a few guys out there. I don't know anything about Hunter Bryant, where you know where that lies on his priority list. Um, now, granted, if you think it's a national title run next year because Smalls comes in, there, there's got to be more to it than that, right? Do you think they have the receiving core to compete at the national title level?
0: Well, I, I think if if they did not. If Eason and Hunter Bryant return for 2020, I think that's a top five team.
1: I, I mean, let's be frank, Chest. I, I think we saw why Puka should probably be playing, you know, 25, 30 snaps a game at minimum. Look, his first ball thrown to him was a touchdown, a beautiful throw and catch. You know, it was tight coverage. Uh, he was right on the edge of the end zone. And, you know, he kept his feet in bounds, made a great play, and he showed great emotion after scoring, which I appreciated. Uh, but I think we got a glimpse of a guy that needs to see the field and needs to see the ball more.
0: Yeah, and I think just looking at the weaknesses on this team, it's really clear it's wide receiver and linebacker. And so. The key now is how much better. uh, There was a little bit of a thread on this on BowdownToWashington.com. How much better can those positions get? Uh, Because you you could say you can assume they're going to get better, but if you're going to make that assumption, you have to make the assumption that young guys on other teams are also going to get better. So you can't just you're not you can't make the assumption that automatically Washington is going to improve the most from here to the end of the year, you know, relative to. Everybody else in the Pac-12. I hope that happens. I'm just saying it's hard to it's hard to assume that. Uh, so what, I mean, what I'm just thinking out loud, Jimmy. I mean, what are the what are the prospects for wide receiver and linebacker improving? For me, I think it's more likely you see improvement at wide receiver. Um, you know, maybe Fuller gets his act together. You know, Puka is probably gonna he's probably gonna play more and more. And you know, it's unfortunate the Ty Jones injury because if you could throw Ty Jones out there with Puka and then Hunter Bryant. I mean, those your three top targets are all you know, blue-chip, big-time talents.
1: Well, I think linebacker, obviously, they just need to get better. I don't know if they've hit their ceilings, their ceiling, so to speak, with the older guys. I mean, tackling needs to improve. Shedding blocks needs to improve with this group. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I think they've probably hit their ceiling. The younger guys probably have more room to grow more upside. But if you don't understand the scheme, if you're, you know, in practice or in the film room and you're not grasping the concepts, they're going to play the guys that they trust in the scheme and in the system. So they frankly just have to tackle better. And, and improve their ability to make plays because until they do so, the, the better teams are going to exploit the middle of the field. And that's what Oregon does the best is Herbert taking shots down the middle of the field. He could potentially torch us. A couple of the defensive uh, philosophy or schemes that we've seen from Washington, the Miles Bryant blitzing. Is a little puzzling to me. Uh, He had he did get some penetration against Hawaii, but there was a few times he was stonewalled where they had six guys pressuring the quarterback, and Hawaii was able to uphold the they were able to uh, you know block the pressure. They weren't able to you know get to the quarterback. Uh, Those things are not gonna you're not gonna do that against Oregon. If you do, you're gonna you're gonna pay dearly for that. Um, Manu missed a lot of tackles. I, I don't know what else can be coached in him to improve that point, but you know, I don't, I don't recall seeing Tafisi out there a whole lot. Uh, what's your boy Zion? He played some. He was getting stonewalled. Of the when I watched the replay, he wasn't he wasn't doing a whole lot on the field. Uh is that top how do I say his last name?
0: It's just Zion. That's
1: good Zion. enough. It's good enough. Tupatala.
0: No, that's Alfonso.
1: That's alright. Sorry, that's Tupitala. all.
0: Talk. Zion uh oh, yeah, I'll look it up. But
1: the point being is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Chess. You know, it's gonna be a week to week thing. Um, in regards to whether these guys get better. Wide receiver-wise, I think the ceiling's been hit. How is Spiker... I know you're concerned about his frame, but this guy had tremendous uh, high school career, a lot of records broken. How is it that he cannot find the field?
0: Well, we have a question about that, and I think... um... Look, this is only the beginning of his second year. Let's remember that. You know, not every talented guy starts killing it after one year. You know, sometimes it can take two or three years. Uh, He's 6'3", 193. Uh, The practice that I watched, he definitely has the best frame of all the wide receivers. He looks a little slight, so, I mean, he has to bulk up. And I think he had, you know, he had some drops and some slight confidence issues. Um, So I don't, you know, I don't think because the guy's not contributing now, you can call him a bust. Honestly, I I think he has plenty of time to pan out. It's just, it's just disappointing that with the recruit, I mean, you had Ty Jones, you had him, and you had Osborne. And not, you know, because Ty Jones is hurt, not one of those guys is, looks like they're going to help us significantly this year. I just,
1: yeah, go ahead. With the bubble screen stuff, I mean, they're asking these wide receivers to block.
0: Well, the other thing is, four and Bichelle can't break tackles. Like, that's not their—they really struggle with that.
1: Yeah, I don't—I don't get the the forcing uh, of that play. They do it a lot.
0: Well, I think the reason they, they're forcing it is because the other team, there's something. Um, it's not that they call bubble screens. It's something in the alignment of the defense, and so there, there's something in the alignment of the defense. Where, okay, that
1: that might be the
0: case. But if, and if you're if you're watching if you're watching film, like if you're Oregon or USC or Stanford or Utah, and you're watching film, like you will give us the bubble screen at times because our we have you haven't seen a guy break. We haven't seen like a twenty five or thirty five yard play off a bubble screen yet right you you, you see fuller and bachcell I mean baelli struggled to get two yards you know fuller might be able to get a yard or two more than that but like you they it's it's a it's a play where if you're scouting our offense it's like okay, you know we want that play you know put the ball in the hands of guys who are not playmakers like will. Give them that, you know, depending on, you know, they'll give, they apparently they give that to us on first and second down. Sure. So I think, I mean, obviously, you know, I did it like during the Cal game, I think before uh, Henry hit that field goal on second down. Um, uh, or I don't know if it was, anyway, scratch that. Um, but I, I just, I mean, my thinking on wide receiver, I, I think maybe we could get Ty Jones back at the end of the year. And if we can somehow win the North, like if we're still in a race for the North, you know, he might be able to really help the last three or four games. But I think listening to Peterson's comments, I think Puka is going to play more and more. And by the end of the year, I do think he's going to start. But Jimmy, the problem is he should have been playing... I mean, these first three games, like, that's when they should have been getting him up to speed because by the time he's playing a lot, like, is he going to make an impact against USC? No. You know, maybe against Utah, maybe a little bit against Oregon. So that's my problem with that, is, like, they should have had him there at the beginning of the year. Like, they've wasted these three weeks in giving him, you know, a few snaps and one pass. Yeah, look,
1: there's no explanation. We've talked about it. The coaching apparently it's it's a very hard position in the uh, Peterson offensive engine, and you know. But like you said, Pete's comments made it sound like that that he is growing into uh, understanding the offense. That he will, in fact, find himself in more situations to make plays, and they sorely need it because as they get into the better competition. You're going to need to have multiple weapons that cause the defense to uh, not just key in in on a couple guys. Uh, You know, when we look at the Hawaii game as a whole, a couple of the issues that I think you would agree on is that, you know, we came out on fire. It was fun to watch them, you know, click on all cylinders, so to speak, early on. And I was in the lower bowl, so there you know it was fun. The crowd was into it. Uh there was some guy behind me who was very angry with Eason. Uh very quickly to be angered with Eason. I was quite surprised. This guy was pretty juiced and uh he was eating a lot of popcorn while while in disgust. Though um the second half was was tough. I mean Hawaii made adjustments. And I think you brought up the point where, you know, adjustments it seems to be an issue. Um and you know we didn't seem to have seem to have the same emotional fire the competitive fire that they had in the first half now granted that could have been because of the score but it's going to be really important for this team especially if they're being young you know you got to you got to find a way to bring it for all fourth quarter or four quarters and i think there was uh you know there was a lapse in effort somewhat and they maybe went into beta mode uh, for the second half of that game. And uh, Hawaii was able to impose their will somewhat offensively in that game uh, in the second half.
0: Yeah, and I made a comment about this, and I noticed that at the time like we were jogging out of the tunnel after halftime. It was the most like lackadaisical tunnel run I'd ever seen. Like guys, just they were like loafing there. I mean, it, it they were just they weren't even you know they were just like walking or, or just jogging out of the tunnel. Was- so
1: basically, you're saying they weren't looking forward to the second half of that game. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Excellent. I mean, shouldn't you be excited? I mean, it was a decent crowd. Was it? It, it was. Mostly full. I felt the crowd was into it. Uh, you know, it was a nice day. Yeah, it was a fun. It was fun. Did you know? Maybe they didn't feel the same way. Did, I mean, did you have fun? I know you were there.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. Although I mean, it was sitting up high and it was windy though. Got a little yeah. chilly.
1: There was some wind. Uh, yeah, little little uh, crisp breeze in the air for the for the beginning of fall. You know, the when the leaves change and you get the view of the water, there's nothing like the fall in the Pacific Northwest in Montlake at Husky Stadium, Just Never forget. You got you to gotta, you gotta enjoy those moments. You keep them in the memory. And that makes me re- remember to ask you, did you high-five any fans? Did you take any selfies? Did you put anything on the social medias for, for the game?
0: I think I did high five a few fans, but that was basically it.
1: Okay, well, good for you. That's a good start. Did I you? Was mostly, I
0: was mostly <laughs> complaining about Bocelli still being in the game after he was trying to give it to the other team.
1: <laughs> did you? Did you have? Did you have any pops for the game?
0: Pops? No, I just had a hot dog and some water.
1: Yeah. Well, I I unfortunately had a hot dog at the end of the game, and it did not treat me well. Yeah,
0: you gotta
1: it be not I, eating I, I car- those hot dogs at the end of the day.
0: I carbo loaded before with a good breakfast. I suggest everybody do that before the uh, twelve thirty USC game. Carbo load in the morning.
1: Hey, shout out to ABC and all those involved or actually Fox, excuse me, Fox. Shout out to Fox and all those involved to make that decision for a twelve thirty kick against USC. I mean, that's like the old days, buddy. That's like the old Husky memories when kickoff was 1230 on the dot every Saturday. I loved it. So, you know, shout out to all those involved to make that wonderful decision.
0: I hope it's, uh, is it going to be Brock and Joe Davis calling the game?
1: It will be Brock on the game. I don't know if it's Joe Davis or not.
0: I think I think his partner is
1: Joe Davis. Well, good, good. Well, sure. There you go. It's going to be Joe Davis and Brock, who you know. Side note is no longer in the morning show assault. They're going to do a podcast now. A little bit of a change locally. They're only on a podcast.
0: So. Are they going to replace their show with G in the morning? I mean, it makes sense to go from one husky hater to another, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you
1: what. I mean, that, that listening ship will, will plummet. I mean, you know the Die Hard 12s are tuning in in the morning, especially on Mondays because they have the Pete Carroll show. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but... I think they're going to definitely take a dip there, losing those. You know, Brock's got a big name. They got a big following with the 12s. They talk, you know, a Hawks ad nauseum. Uh, granted, I don't really care. I rarely listen. But.
0: Did I mention it's, on our. I'm sorry to interrupt. Did I no, mention on our last pod that uh, it was Bob Stelton who said that the Huskies have a big test? coming with Hawaii you
1: did mention that you did mention that and uh, that that's you know Bob's he's into the the MMA stuff college football I think is an afterthought I he he saw that they beat a couple Pac-12 teams as it's been mentioned by others Uh, but we knew that Hawaii wasn't going to be a test right
0: yeah
1: yeah I mean, any any major takeaways from you besides, Eason's got a big arm, Puka's good, Ahmed's just fine. We know where the weaknesses are. Did did you garner anything else from that game?
0: You know, not really. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think Ahmed's fine, and people have to stop worrying about it. I
1: mean, He's I- at five point nine yards per carry so far.
0: Look, I mean, Ahmed would be. If we just had that second, a real second target to go along with Hunter Bryant, I mean that will open things up big time for the run game.
1: And I will say, uh, I don't have a problem with McGrew coming in for a series. I think McGrew's fine. McGrew's just fine. It's a change of pace guy. He has he has uh, know the, the ability to make some misses. Uh, he, he can catch the ball. Um, I'm fine with that. And, and you know, they was eight carries for Ahmed, eight carries for McGrew, eight for Newton. In that type of game, you might as well keep everyone a bit fresh. For me, in the bigger, more important games, I want to see more Ahmed at the running back position. I'm happy with McGrew and Dick Newton. Newton needs to see the ball more probably in short yardage uh, situations. We got to see, uh, what do we call it, the wild dick play? Which yeah. I think called, but that it was called back on a holding penalty. I think that went against Jackson Kirkland.
0: Yeah, he had a couple of holdings, but the, he never hands it off on the wild dick.
1: No, he doesn't. And he doesn't need to.
0: No, he it look like there was a play where he could have handed it to Savon.
1: That's true, but you know, he's done well. Like he's the, done
0: well like, keeping... The- yeah, I was going to say, I like your comments on McGrew. I mean, you pointed it out before the season, how he really... he Even though he's not like an alpha guy as far as his stature, he really has an alpha attitude. He was not phased at all. You know, he led that would-be game-winning drive against Oregon last year. And he has good vision and instincts, and He's, he's the best of the backs at catching the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, that that's... Um, you know, that element... Like, if our receivers are struggling and we're playing good teams, and you need to include the screen pass, like, McGrew is the best of the backs in the pass game. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I worry about his, his, his blocking just because he's small, but... You know, we haven't seen that yet. I mean, his prowess in the past game.
1: We have not. We have not. But I, pretty- I think
0: it's coming because I think we're going to need that against uh, the stronger opponents. So I think I think that's why he's he's still getting a run in there. But I yeah, I mean, I just wish his I just wish if Ahmed has had McGrew's instincts and football savvy, I mean, he'd be an All American.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair that's a fair comment.
0: I'm not saying Ahmed, you know, his football instincts and vision are bad. It's just, you know, that's
1: an area he's trying to improve at. And he is. I mean, he he should have had a touchdown uh, against Hawaii. He's got great burst. He uh, his feet move. He's I think he's doing a better job of keeping his feet moving and moving forward. Uh, I, I'm I'm very happy with Ahmed. I think he's going to have a great. When all said and done for this year, I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, you know, that being said, looking forward, I, I am changing my opinion about the BYU game. I think there is something to be garnered from this game, especially being a road game, and then obviously with them beating USC, uh, this game becomes more interesting to me because we're going to see them have to perform. In, in this environment, you know, they got the altitude, the crazy caffeined out fans. Uh, so I, I'm thinking there's going to be more of a takeaway in this BYU game than I, I thought prior.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it, 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 I like what you said there at the beginning. Like, it, as far as a road test, I mean, you look at the road games Stanford, Arizona, Oregon State, Colorado. You know, we, we don't know exactly how good we're going to be this year. I mean, other years, we kind of have an idea. I think this year, it's still kind of in flux. But, again, at Stanford, at Arizona, at Oregon State, at Colorado, if we're going to win the North, like, we should probably win all those games. And this is a – you know, B, BYU, this might be the toughest out of all those games.
1: Yeah, from, from a – yeah, away game environment, this is probably – the toughest. We know Stanford, you know, they get barely 30,000 fans. Reeser Stadium is not really intimidating to say the least. Arizona, we, we haven't had the best track record down there. Uh, you know, if Khalil Tate gets hot, that game gets very interesting because that kid is an unbelievable athlete. And if he's if he's in the zone, if he's in the flow, uh, he he is uh, he's someone to be reckoned with.
0: But I just look at those road those conference road games, and I look at none of these teams have a defense that should really okay maybe Stanford just because you know they recruited decently or not horribly, but none of those teams have a defense that should really hold us. Yeah, we should be able to score a lot of points on all those teams. And if our defense
1: can just improve, um, you know, so well, I, I guess. I mean, Chess, look, the, the offense has really performed against Hawaii and Eastern and did not against Cal. So we need to see the offense be efficient and productive and explosive against, you know, a good defense. We need to see that.
0: No, I, I completely agree with you, but I don't think the performance against Cal was bad. I mean, I, we had five scoring opportunities. You know, two times we should have scored a touchdown to kick a field goal. Uh, yet, yeah, yeah, there was no explosive plays that game, but the drops killed us. So I, I'm just, I'm just saying I think if we perform at our best, uh, offensively, we're gonna score a lot of points against every team except you know, maybe I don't know Utah. I, maybe Oregon or USC. I don't know how good their defenses are exactly. But I'm just, I'm just thinking. You know, we should have. A, if our offense performs at its best, it could, keep, it should give us a chance to win every game.
1: Well, I, we'll see. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I, I think it's going to take. I think it's going to take for for them to win out, or, or what you're envisioning here with this team.
0: I, I'm not convinced either, but continue.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, it's going to take a tremendous coaching job. Guys are going to have to elevate their game. Now the coaches are going to have to insert some younger talent in some areas for this team. Uh, and they're gonna, they're, you know, they're gonna have to take some, you know, some risks. And, and it, it's clear that Peterson is risk averse. Uh, he, he is a conservative guy. And, you know, so be it. You can't be, you can't be reckless in football. I mean, you, you pay dearly, right? But, I mean, on the other side, what does he have to lose? It's not like he's gonna get fired, uh, from his job. And if you know they fall short of expectations this year, there's always next year and the year in the year after when when we continue to level up with the talent. Granted, we need the winning culture now, but like we've talked about, the recruiting has continually gotten better. I, I guess what would it hurt Peterson to take a few risks to hit a home run? For this year.
0: Well, what, I mean, what? What? what you be specific on what risk? Well, you you
1: know. Are you talking moved.
0: about just loosening up things on offense and yeah, you know, loose. inserting Puka, going a little bit away from your system? You know, calling certain plays where you can, because there there are certain. I mean, there are certain things you can do. You know, there's simple little routes that you can have Puka and the other young guys, uh, play, you know, use without
1: on the entire offense. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, some of those decisions are inserting, you know, some of the younger talent that may not be nuanced to the nth degree from the scheme perspective, but give you some talent that they don't have on the field right now. Now, granted, on defense, I don't know if they have that same luxury at linebacker. Or where they could, you know, have that uh, that injection of talent. I mean, Asa Turner is so big. <laughs> I mean, couldn't he, could not he play linebacker? I mean, that guy's got unbelievable size.
0: But he's only like 190.
1: Is he only 190? Well, he looks bigger than that. But, you know, they could put him on safety, moving closer to the line. Um,
0: I don't know. Maybe they could play six defensive backs and, and four... Defensive lineman. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm sure they're I'm sure they're thinking. I'm sure they're you know thinking of these things. You know, how I mean, get giving,
1: giving the other teams different looks that they haven't seen, things like that, changing things up where you know they don't have necessarily film on their tendencies or scheme or you know their. How they line up in certain situations; those are kind of the things I'm talking about. But look, chess, we've talked about it before. If this team is going to have that opportunity to make a run, they have to score points offensively, because I think that's where they have they can make more of an impact with the younger talent, uh, with the with the offensive side of the
0: ball. But I agree with you and I don't, I don't think the Cal game offensively was that, I mean, I'm not saying it was a great game, but I'm just saying a little bit better performance against Cal. You catch some ball, you score touchdowns, you know, you might have 27, 28 points in that game. And sure. Then, and then it looks like, so I'm just, I'm just saying we, the, the coaches have to figure out how can they get the offense to take another step from where it is now. And I think, We, as well as probably most of the listeners, personnel-wise, it seems like Puka is a guy who can help us make a little bit of a jump. And my worry, Jimmy, is that I'm looking at the schedule and the soonest I think that he can make a big impact is probably the Utah game. You know, Mm. probably those last four games. Is he going to have enough time to help us beat USC, Stanford, Arizona, maybe Oregon, maybe by then? He could have a shot, but that's why... I mean, that's why he's got... That's why I think they fucked up and not getting him going the first couple games because then he would have been a lot more ready to take on this stretch where you have BYU, USC, Stanford, Arizona, Oregon.
1: Well, it was again, just, It was so
0: disappointing to see him just not even get any more reps after that touchdown. I, yeah. That was so disappointing.
1: Well, he, he got in, what, fourth quarter?
0: Yeah, maybe for like a play or two.
1: Yeah, that was bizarre. I mean... He makes an unbelievable play, and then that's it. He's gone. You're telling me there's no other scenarios where he could be put back out there? Now, granted, before that touchdown, he had a few snaps uh, out there, but he nothing was looking his way. There was a run play, I think a pass play to the opposite side of field of him. Uh, and then, yeah, once he scored, he, he was basically gone after that.
0: Yeah, I was so excited when I saw him in the game. I immediately texted you and, and, and the bow down guys that, that I actually missed, you know, the beginning of the play where they threw it to him. Like, I was so excited. Like, oh, my God, Puka's in. A Puka's in. I got to tell everybody. Because I was excited. I was like, holy shit, they put him in in the first quarter. Like, yeah, wow, uh, they put him in. This is great. Like, he's going to play a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that on the on the – the uh, prediction pod Friday about where I I was essentially telling you that I didn't think we would see him until the second half late into the game, where you know you made a mention of seeing him early, so I was surprised.
0: Yeah, I just you know I'm sorry I don't like to call individual players out, but like I like Andre Vajelli. I mean, he, he is, next to Kyler Manu, he's like the worst guy on our team. Like, I can't th- I can't think of, like, one play or anything he's done great this year. Like, at, at least, I know that, like, a lot of people bag on Fuller, but, like, and he's kind of been shitty so far this year, honestly, other than that one great catch. But if you look, at least Fuller, he's made key catches, he's made plays in some games. You know, he had pretty good stats last year. But, like, even Bocell- Bocelli this year, he's, like, way worse than he was last year. And even last year, like, he wasn't anything. So I just, like, I don't know. I mean, Peterson has to know, like, that this guy cannot be out there. I mean, this is helping other teams when, when he's out there playing so many reps.
1: Well, apparently, I, I didn't hear it, but Hugh Millen was critical of Bocelli uh, today on the air. So, <laughs> Hugh's been very hard on, on the receiving core for Washington. And, look, we, we can take shots, but... This comes down to the coaches. This comes down to the million-dollar men making these decisions.
0: I mean, Grundle even – I saw him post a GIF of one play where Rochelle was supposed to block a guy, and he just did it half-ass, and the guy beat the block, yeah. basically.
1: Does he look like he wants to go out there and block another dude? No.
0: It, I don't know. Maybe maybe him and, him and Fuller have not really meshed well with Junior Adams. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Blocking
1: a wide receiver blocking is a mindset and it, it requires contact and aggression. So if those if those couple things have to be coached into you or learned, those are very difficult traits to build in. I mean, there's guys that love to hit, that will always love to hit. That will always be natural to them. There are guys that play the game that naturally shy away from contact, don't like to do the blocking, and but they get by because either they have elite skills or talent. Like Jimmy Graham, for instance, is a guy that comes to mind. Can't block, doesn't like the contact, but he's a freak of nature athlete, excellent hands for a guy his size, You know, he's a talented guy, but he's a guy that has never been a proficient blocker. And actually, side note quickly, I mean, that's a liability. I mean, they almost lost Aaron Rodgers for the season because Jimmy Graham couldn't block his guy. It was a joke, and Rodgers got absolutely obliterated. So when you put guys in that clearly don't have that mindset, don't have that aggression— don't like contact, they're not going to want to do those things. And either someone's not, you know, a play is going to get blown up. Someone's going to get hurt. So I, to me, I can't understand. I cannot for the life of me, understand them running that shit to the outside, asking these guys to block when it's clear, they don't want to do it. It's not in their DNA. It's not what they do. But wants to catch, you know, a go route he wants to try to outrun a guy. He doesn't want to physically run someone over. That's not him.
0: Yeah, and speaking of blocking, uh, our buddy Suburban Kodak, shout out to him because he's been watching and reviewing game film and look for another uh, look for another video analysis from um, from him probably later this week. And he said that Chico by far is the best blocker of our receivers, and he's the only guy who blocks basically. So our and, best blocker is the
1: smallest guy. But, but, you know, McClatcher doesn't shy away from contact. I, I would say he has mentality where he is willing to take on a DB or a linebacker and continue to move forward. So, to me, you know, Chico has that mindset to look for contact or at least not shy away from contact. So that doesn't surprise me if he's considered the best blocker. He has a better mental makeup in that portion of the game.
0: Yeah, I just, now, looking as to how the offense can improve, I feel like, Jimmy, you know, we have to get Otten, Kate Otten involved more, and we have to get screens to the backs involved a lot more. And obviously, we already touched on the elephant in the room. I mean, Puka's got to be out there on the outside. Has Bacelli ever caught... Like a contested, long go route.
1: I don't think so. Not that I can recall, that's for sure.
0: I mean, like, the coaches, like, someone should be fired if Pacelli is out there, like, every week until December. <laughs> I'm going to lose my fucking mind.
1: <laughs> well, I, I unfortunately think you're going to lose your mind. I don't see that changing. Oh, Jesus. I mean, he played a lot last year. I mean, he played mo- all of last year. He's playing... He has the most targets.
0: Yeah, did you saw that Lars posted that. Yeah. Because um, Bill Connelly no longer posts those target stats. But the thing was last year, Pacelli actually had the highest catch rate in the conference. So he actually caught, like, he actually caught passes. They were short passes. And this year, he's, he has the, like, he's been targeted the most and his catch rate is shit. Like, why do him and Fuller have the most targets?
1: I don't know. They're getting the most reps with Eason. Well, let's...
0: I just, Jimmy, I mean, this season, what worries me is, like, it's going to be, like, a 9-4 and season. We're going to play somebody in the Alamo or the Holiday Bowl, and we're going to lose Eason. You know, we're only going to have one year with them.
1: It's probably going to be the reality. I'm sorry. God damn it. Fucking hate. Well, don't don't get worked up about it now.
0: What am I going to look forward to then? Uh,
1: Sam Huard.
0: Who knows if he'll even be as good as
1: Eason. Oh, man, he's going to be good. I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry about that. I think
0: Eason needs another year of seasoning.
1: I'm sure you do.
0: Hunter Bryant as well.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get to questions and close this up.
0: Good call, bro. Uh, uh, let me bring up questions. Uh, after seeing Will Disley score two touchdowns for the Seahawks on Sunday, rate your level of frustration regarding how underutilized he was at UW. Scale of 1 to 10.
1: I'm at a 10, Jess. I'm at a 10. I'm at a 10.
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, he was underutilized. <laughs>
1: You think? I mean, usually um,
0: underutilized. Yeah, I, all, I'm, all the tight ends. Do you know? But, what but, long-
1: but, 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 look, Chest. I mean, Peterson talks about how important the tight end position is to this offense, to his scheme. Even though he doesn't run an offense, supposedly, just plays. Uh, if that's the case, then you know, use the freaking tight end. You know, granted, Hunter Bryant's been involved. He's he's seeing balls, but yeah, I mean, the Disley thing is is puzzling. But I I can't go back. There's nothing we can do about it.
0: Hey, shout out to me who knew Disley was really good as a freshman. Yeah, you called it, man. Who should UW fans be rooting for at the USC versus Utah game? Can our boy Helton be saved with a win? No, I think he's. I think
1: Urban Meyer is going to be the next coach at USC. I don't. It doesn't matter. I don't think it really matters. I think Clay is a dead man walking regardless. I think he's on the plank. He's walking the plank.
0: So who should we root for then? Does it really matter? I don't
1: think I don't think it really matters.
0: I mean I guess if you want the conference to be strong for playoff and all that bullshit. Uh, then you probably want to. You probably want Utah
1: to win. That's right. We know nothing's going to happen to Whittingham, regardless of the outcome of that game. I mean, it's one more notch in the belt against Clay if he does lose that game. But I think, regardless of the outcome, I, I think he's he eventually will no longer be the coach, especially with the fact Urban Meyer's mentioned he's missing the game of football.
0: Yeah, that's pretty juicy.
1: I mean, this is his M.O., right? This is what he does.
0: Well, he's only done it once. No, his, his well, M.O. is he changes jobs a lot.
1: Yeah, but at Florida, he had the health issue around the migraines. He left to oh, be... right, right. So
0: twice.
1: Yeah. So... I think I think Urban will be at USC.
0: Who would you rather play in the Pac-12 championship game? USC or Utah?
1: I mean, I I would say Utah just because we've had their number, uh, but I think you know that that Kedon Slo- Slovis kid, you know, he struggled on the road against BYU. If you want to win the game, I mean, I probably would prefer to face USC. Yeah,
0: it's hard to it's hard to know with, with injuries.
1: Well, and then the kid's a freshman quarterback. I mean, I know that doesn't mean everything, but I think that yeah. helps helps your case. Well, I mean,
0: if Utah loses Zach Moss again, their offense is still, yeah. still going to struggle against our defense.
1: I don't think. Granted, I don't think we're going to be in the Pac-12 championship, so it doesn't doesn't matter.
0: Blasphemy! I hate to say it, but I think you're probably right.
1: Yeah, it sucks. I don't want to say it, but I think it's reality.
0: Wasting a fucking year with a quarterback who's going to be a number one draft pick. Yep. It's like, seriously, Ethan could be the number one pick.
1: It's possible.
0: Has the 710 morning show been offered to you yet? Did you accept? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, that's but what they should yeah. do. They
1: had to turn it down. They didn't offer enough money.
0: Yeah. Is Spiker a four-star playmate? Hugh Millen never mentions him when talking about future studs. We are hearing nothing about him challenging for playing time. Is he lost in the playoff or just too skinny to compete at this level? Yeah, I just think it's a skinny, uh, skinny, and, uh, physical and performance issue. But uh, look, I think... I'm I, don't, not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not down on him in the long term, honestly. He'll be fine. Get, get him on some roids. And he'll kill it as a junior and a senior.
1: Yeah, if we got to wait till next year, it'll be a redshirt sophomore. Uh, there, there's a lot of football ahead of him.
0: Yeah. In his press conference, Peterson was asked about the small UW wide receivers getting fully. He replied, no, I don't think so. I haven't seen that at all. In fact, I think we've walked a little bit better on the perimeter than we have in the past. What do you guys make of that?
1: I, I, I missed what you, the okay. question.
0: In the press conference, Peterson was asked about the small UW wide receivers getting bullied. He replied, no, I don't think so. I haven't seen that at all. In fact, I think we've blocked a little bit better on the perimeter than we have in the past. Question, what do you guys make of that?
1: Coach speak. (laughs) I think of it as a guy who's not going to call out his players... You know, with the media. Yes, that's that's not Pete.
0: I tweeted something about this in August, but P- Peterson's coach speak, like with respect to players, this is usually what he does. Um, he prop he likes to prop up underachieving upperclassmen. Ooh. So yeah. he'll yeah he's so yes that that's what he's doing here with the receivers. They're upperclassmen. They're underachieving. He likes to prop up those guys. Now, he'll challenge upperclassmen if he knows they can handle it. And I think with respect to young players, he never, if he gets asked about a young player individually, he will talk about the other, like he'll say yes, and then he'll pivot to talking about the other young players in that player's position group. So that's how his coach speak works. Like those are three parts of it. Propping up underachieving upperclassmen and seniors challenging upperclassmen and seniors who can handle it. And with respect to talking about individual young players, he pivots to talking about the entire position group. That's his coach speak.
1: Nice Um, breakdown, Chess. That's fantastic. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I heard Bama is trying an app that allows students to check in when they get to a game and check out when they leave. And they accumulate points if they stay for the whole thing. What do you guys think? Also, maybe expand it to season ticket holders eventually. But how, how, Jimmy? How would the app police them? Like, I could just say, "Yeah, I'm at the game," when I'm, you know, in my room watching on TV, and you know, well, it could be. Turn myself off.
1: I I don't know, like location wise. Oh
0: yeah, that makes sense. It'll be, yeah, location. Yeah.
1: But you could turn off your location settings. But a lot of people want to keep that stuff on for their for their social media stuff
0: how much do you like social media,
1: Jimmy? I think it's been the it's been the downfall of society. <laughs> but I'll tell you what do the points accumulate accu- accumulate to? And look, the fourth quarter gift for the student section, this game was was pretty poor. It was foam fingers. Like they've done some pretty solid gifts. That was one of their weaker ones. Without question.
0: You know, it would be like a great gift. Like a hand job from one of the cheerleaders.
1: Jeez.
0: <laughs> then you would get... Then all the males... Then all the males would... Uh, they'd stay at the game. And then for the females, like, you could get oral... You can pick a male cheerleader... Easy. ...to give you oral sex. Easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get, you want to get the students to stay for the whole game... Well, that, th- those uh, are
1: completely unrealistic.
0: I mean, the, a giant foam finger. I mean, wow, that's quite a hot ticket.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone's excited about that. Those are probably going to end up in the garbage. Uh, I, you know, maybe they'll keep them around for the next game, but they've done a lot better gifts. I mean, one time they gave out Amazon Echoes. Really? Yeah. Yep. First year, they're doing gifts for the student section. They they give out uh, echoes.
0: Nice. Maybe I'll have to pose as a student. You should to get that. Okay. What drives Jimmy more insane? A podcast that runs late and goes over an hour, or bubble screens to (sighs) Pachelia?
1: That's a tough one. That's like a coin flip. Both are uh, very frustrating for me. <laughs> if I had to pick one, probably podcasts going late. It impacts my sleep.
0: Yeah, we're at 53 minutes right now. Next okay. question. 7 yep. going from Mike Salt to G. Scott. Is that the Gilby to Tyrone transition of radio? Yep. I like how it, it fits the racial dynamics there. It does, but both were, were
1: rough careers at Washington.
0: Yeah, you know one thing about that like young Dukes and a lot of regular dudes don't understand is that Gilby was worse than Tyrone. Like it all fell apart under Gilby.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a disastrous tenure with yeah. Gil. He
0: was worse than Tyrone.
1: Oh it was. It was. It was it was pro
0: prolifically bad. And I say that while recognizing that Gilby as an offensive coordinator and assistant coach was amazing. Phenomenal.
1: He coached the offensive line for the 2000 run. And he was the offensive
0: coordinator for that team. What's that? He was the offensive coordinator as well. And he coached the O-line, didn't he? I think so. I think he did both. Okay. Next question. Two weeks ago, UW was being compared to 1990 team. Now, after a fluke loss, nine wins maximum? Question mark. What's with the extreme change of expectations based on a fluke? What? What's the question? Uh, condense that. Okay. For. So before the Cal game, many people were comparing the season to the 1990 team. What? Who? Dennis DeYoung and other people. Now, after a fluke loss, people are saying nine wins is the max. What's with the extreme change of expectations just based on a fluke, he says.
1: I don't think the Cal... You mean the Cal game being a fluke? Yeah. I I, I don't see the parallels with the, with the 90 team with this team.
0: Yeah, shout out to Tequila because he... he Reference 1989, and that to me is a much better comparison.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that's more of a legitimate comparison than the '90 team. I mean, the
0: '90 team had a lot of really good players. Yeah, the, ni- the the 1990 team, there was even one service that named it the national champion. So the 19 like. The 1990 season, what people don't know is you had Colorado who, who got a fifth down or would have lost one of their games. They were the national championship. And then I think Georgia Tech. But if yeah. you look at the metrics, UW and Miami were one and two. And so, you, I mean, that UCLA, you know, we should have beaten Colorado. The UCLA game was just off. I mean, that that if you look at that Husky team in conference play – was just as dominant as the 91 team. Because the 91 team had a couple of close wins in conference play. The 90 team didn't have any... Every win was a dominant win in conference play. Yes. So, uh, I mean, that was like a national championship quality type of team. So, yeah, that comparison... uh, Yeah.
1: I think the extreme, though, was that the The way in which the team played against Cal, who, let's remember, and I meant to say at the top, ended up barely beating North Texas. They won twenty three seventeen.
0: But they were ahead. I think twenty three zero. Were they not?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I just looked at the final score.
0: Yeah, but they, they were was... ahead. They were ahead
1: by a lot. It was a shutout for a while. But how does how do you get to twenty three seventeen? You put in all your backups.
0: Maybe that had a little bit to do with it. But I don't still, know. Still, they were Cal was shitty again. They were shitty the week before they played us too. So it's it's early in the season. You can't uh, you can't necessarily buy in. It's dangerous to just draw all these conclusions. But uh, Jimmy, that Cal team, like I don't see them winning more than eight games. Yeah, they're not a they're they're not a great team. I mean, a, if we would have caught if we would have caught passes, like we would have won that game. And so, I mean, they're they're not a great team. They're a good team, but they're going to lose at least three or four games in conference play.
1: They are a one-dimensional offensive team.
0: Yeah, their offense is fucking terrible. And the reason why that why that game is important is because. Was a one-dimensional bad offense. They ran the fuck all over us in the second half, and we missed a shitload of tackles. It, I mean, that was embarrassing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think the the extreme was just the way that game uh, unfolded. We didn't see that, and then the fact that it just felt like our defense was not there uh, to to play necessarily. Like Jimmy Lake was out coached. So I think the swing was, I think it was like a browning, no longer anymore browning. You see this big arm quarterback throwing it all over the field. Granted, it was Eastern and all those things, and then just to have that massive letdown just kind of was a real head-scratcher, so it made it feel like you know this team is is not where we thought they were, and then it kind of got back to the youth discussion and the the weaknesses that this team has, and then what lies ahead, what how they could be exploited, especially defensively over them. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I, the the offensive performance against Cal, like I'm not that wasn't that concerning to me because the drops are correctable. Like they were just dropping routine passes. And, yeah. And Cal has a good defense. I'm not saying I'm giving that performance like an A, but that wasn't like a huge concern. Yeah. The huge concern was the defense just getting completely rolled in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled. All right, what's next? What is the over under on personal foul and sportsman like conduct penalties calling against BYU this weekend? Similar question. Will the officiating in Provo be suspect again like it wasn't in the 2010 matchup?
1: I don't know. It's possible.
0: Yeah, BYU's a dirty team. They
1: are dirty. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not going to be... We're not going in there favored in the sense of, you know, there's going to be some things... Well, we'll, I think we're probably... Have we seen the line on the game?
0: It's like six or six and a half. We are favored.
1: Yeah, favored. Like, there's going to be things that are going against us for sure.
0: Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to get some penalties. They're a dirty team. Will Husky fans dismiss a home win over USC as meaningless this year? Or will it rank as a quality win? I think it'll
1: be a quality win.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always a quality win when you beat USC. Like, they've never had a bad team.
1: Yeah, they, they're, they're going to be stacked with talent. Uh,
0: when they're bad, they're like a top 40 or top 35 SRS team.
1: Yeah, it's a quality win.
0: And Jimmy, look at the schedule. If we win that game, I mean, we're obviously going to have confidence going into the road trip against Stanford and Arizona. I mean, that's you know, it's that's, that's a team that has better players than we do, and that'll be a, a big confidence booster for our guys, regardless of whether USC wins or loses this weekend.
1: Next question.
0: So yes, that not meaningless. It's next, but Coach Pete says the altitude of Provo has no effect on player conditioning. Past Huskies have compared the altitude to breathing through a straw. Who is right? I don't know. Well, I'd err on the side of Coach Pete, depending on who the past players are. We'll see. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine, but it's going to be a tough game either way.
1: It's going to be a tough game. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a huge home field advantage. It is. And we got to find some playmakers. We got to get more playmakers.
1: Hey, you're just dragging this on to piss me off.
0: We've we've well, no, talked, dude. I'm holding in it. I'm holding in number two here. So I'm what? Re- I'm ready to hang up when you are.
1: All uh, right. All right. Well, let's. Uh...
0: Let's put the finishing touches on this one. Yeah, let's go. All right. So, uh, stay tuned for our prediction pod. That'll be coming in a couple days.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Good work, Jimmy. And uh, go dogs! gonna go tour. dogs. Oh, and let's let's see Stanford beat Oregon. That's looking at all the schedules and winning the North. We definitely want Stanford to beat Oregon.
1: Noted. Let's hope for it.
0: Assuming that Stanford is not going to be in the race for the North, we want them, we need them to beat Oregon. Right. So that's just as important as our game. All right. All right. On that note, everybody, thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And go to to bowdowntowashington.com. That's bowdowntowashington.com. Hashtag BDTW. That's it. Goodbye.